1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar
0: Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-shirt and Shirt.com. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined by Dewey Burke. Following UNC's lost Clemson, Dewey, if there's just one word I think that sums up this loss, it's disappointing. Looking at the fact that UNC was without Jeremiah Francis, who was being held out of the game, I thought that UNC pretty much had no shot. However, they were up 10, two minutes to go, and somehow found a way to lose this game. Where are you at right now, man, after watching that unfold?
1: (laughs) Well, it's crushing. Just crushing for for the guys and for the staff obviously. Because you felt like you were getting the monkey off your back and you were within uh, a couple minutes of finishing the game out and then they made every possible mistake down the stretch that they could. You probably saw a little bit of what it was to have an inexperienced point guard playing the bulk of the minutes at the one, not having Cole and not having Jeremiah who are probably Not probably have played more minutes down the stretch at the point guard position than Leaky, but there's still no excuse. I mean, let's just be very honest. We had experienced players turn the ball over, and then Clemson made all the shots they needed to make. And we let them back in. We gave them hope, and they went ahead and took it.
0: The most crushing thing to me, man, is that UNC played good enough to win. I mean, they got a career night out of Brandon Robinson, who put in 27 points. It was clear that every single guy out there was trying to win this game. This was a huge game of importance for them. And unfortunately, it's like you said, and it was just everything that they could have done wrong they managed to do during that final two minutes. Is that more on the players themselves? Do you think that maybe Coach Williams could have taken a timeout? Was there any way to avoid that happening in your eyes, Dewey?
1: I mean, sure. I, he could have taken a timeout to tell him what he's told him a million times. I mean, we do press offense twice, three times a week in practice, every week, every season. I mean, you had Brandon Robinson, a senior, throw the ball away twice. You had Leaky throw the ball away. Yeah, you just, we came out of a timeout and threw the ball away. So he did call a timeout or B Rob called a timeout. We set up a half court inbounds play and we threw the ball away. So. I know everybody likes to jump on coach about the timeout thing, but he didn't call a timeout for the first couple of turnovers. Then we had a timeout and we still turned it over. So it's just just making the wrong plays by guys that should know better. And it's one of the crazy things at the end of a game when all when stuff like that happens, you'd be better off sticking the ball under your jersey and just doing nothing than throwing the ball to the other team. But we kept throwing it to them. They kept – Putting the ball right in the basket, hit a couple threes, and uh, you know give B Rob credit for hitting the free throws to push it to three, and then you give their big guy credit Sims for hitting the three to tie the game. Uh, obviously, there'll be debate that we could have fouled, but uh, there was a lot of time left when that possession started. You know, I think it's possible that we could have maybe said, "Hey, don't foul until it gets under a certain number of clicks," uh, but they jumped right into a set. I mean, the point guard dribbled across the line and made one pass and the guy caught and shot it and they ran a nice play. So we did everything wrong. They did everything right. And then in overtime, you could just feel it wasn't going to go our way. And we overplayed and they got several backdoors. That's just a crushing loss. You just, I can't imagine what it feels like in that locker room right now. Cause as you said, played good enough to win, played good enough for 38 minutes, but The margin for error is so, so, so thin, thinner than it's ever been. So unless you play good enough to win for 40 minutes, not 38, it's not going to win.
0: And I think what we're seeing is that this team is incredibly hot and cold. If they're playing with confidence like they did at times today to build the lead, you know, they can be a dangerous team. And it was the same thing against Georgia Tech where they built a lead and then unfortunately just let it crumble away. And I think you nailed it there in overtime that the guys were just so in their own minds. Clemson was able to really take advantage of that. And, I mean, credit to the Tigers. They did not go away in this game. But, you know, is is there really any way, Dewey, to kind of – build that mental fortitude or is it just something that develops and i mean you've either got it or you don't at this
1: point i don't know how to answer that i mean right now we don't have it obviously we've been up double digits in the last two games and haven't been able to to finish the job so killer instinct or conditioning or confidence i don't know what it is but um nothing really to say just feel you know dark days (laughs) Dark days yeah. when you uh, when you struggle to figure out a way to win, especially like we said, when you're playing a Clemson team, it's not very good. And we had them, had them on the ropes, and just handed it to them on a platter.
0: I know this is probably the the toughest game to do a post-game pod after I mean if if UNC had pulled it out I was prepared to talk about how this was such an important game just to keep the streak alive now history unfortunately has been made in a negative way for for these guys and I think Sherelle and Tommy talked talked about that on their podcast that I mean if you're a player you just don't want to be known as the group that gave up the streak and unfortunately now we we've seen it happen um I mean, if there was a positive to take away, I think it was the play of Brandon Robinson. He really laid it all out there. I mean, 27 points, 5 for 13 from beyond the 3, 9 of 17 overall. And also, they saw a resurgence from Armando Baycott, who had 7 of 10. He had 21 points. And those are definitely the two highlights. And, I mean, there are some building blocks, though, that the team can use I just don't really know what else they could do at this point to turn their fortunes around because teams just are not afraid of the Tar Heels this season at all and with good reason, unfortunately. No,
1: that's right. There's no reason for anybody to fear us. You know, they would if Cole was playing because you have a dynamic offensive talent that, you know, they can go get 30 at any point. But um, it's going to be like this. This is just how the year is shaping up. Hopefully Cole comes back quickly, but uh, coach said, I think twice this week, what Tommy and I have talked about on this podcast, and it's not a knock on the character of the kids on the team. It's just, this is a low talent group relative to what we typically have. And it just goes to show you uh, as great a coach as coach Williams is. And there are examples of every great coach has had a year like this in their lifetime where... If you don't have the talent, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, you're going to look mediocre as a team. And that's what we're going through. Obviously, we've got a great class coming in. Uh, but focusing on this year, we have to play great and play well for 40 minutes to beat anybody left on our schedule. I mean, the last three games were all teams, I believe, coming in with a losing record or, or close to 500. And we felt like we should beat all three of them. And we lost all three of them at home. Because we didn't play well enough for 40 minutes. Georgia Tech, we played well for half. And then Pitt and Clemson played well for longer stretches. Clemson, obviously, the longest. But the margin for error is so thin. We just don't have guys that cannot play well and we can still win. We just don't have that talent.
0: Let me take a quick moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you need anything for the Tar Heel fan in your family, you can head over to Franklin Street, where Giant T-Shirt has been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service, and like I already said, they have anything that you could want for your Tar Heels. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop online at Giant T shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Get that same great selection and the same great customer service. And also remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders either online at shirt.com or at their store on Franklin Street. You can get that 10% off code from the Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So that's T-shirt and shirt.com. your place to go for Carolina gear. Debbie, let me ask you about the entry passes because I think that is by far the area where UNC – needs to improve and I think the the entry passes have just been so bad this season there were multiple times where I was watching the game and either Baycock or Brooks they would have their guy sealed off and have pretty good positioning but the perimeter players just were not able to get them the ball inside I mean when you're being taught those entry passes how does coach Williams do it and then how can the players themselves just get the ball to the post guys like we know coach wants them to do.
1: Yeah, I mean I think with the exception of B-rob, he's the only one who's a legitimate perimeter threat. So the other guys trying to make those post entry passes, their man is sagging off of them. So they're they're playing that passy lane because they're not concerned about if you're leaky or play tech or or really those are the guys that played the bulk of the minutes. You're not concerned about those guys hitting from the outside, which we saw statistically today. So that's part of it. uh, And and part of it's timing. You know, when your bigs seal and get good position, the ball's got to be on them right then. And if you miss the timing, you miss the window, then the post player gets out of rhythm and he's got to reset. So I, I wouldn't say rhythm is one of the things we have much of offensively right now. We struggle to score. Uh, We get almost nothing or virtually nothing in transition, which we're all used to Carolina teams doing. Um, I'm trying to look right here. Fast break points, four points. So we get nothing in transition, which means nothing easy. Uh, We didn't out-rebound them. I don't believe we tied for rebounds. Uh, We (laughs) shot the ball worse from the perimeter. So actually, if you look at the statistics, it looks like we probably should have lost that game um, on paper. Because they shot the ball better than us from the outside, and uh, and made more—I think—more free throws. No, we made more free throws than them, but did not rebound them like we typically do. We didn't get out and run like we typically do. So um, we got nothing from our bench. So on paper, it looks like we should have lost, but obviously, it was our game. But uh, I think your question poses, you know, a larger issue, which is just a lack of rhythm, a lack of ability. On the offensive end, yes, Garrison's given us a lift and Mondo was better today, but we just don't have guys that naturally score the basketball, uh, whether it's in transition or a half court. And so because of that, every possession is a grinded out. How are we going to find a way to get a good look? And if we do, hopefully we make it. But you saw, uh, especially down the stretch, we couldn't get a bucket, turned the ball over, couldn't get anything going in overtime and, and lost the game.
0: And Andrew Playtech really helped out with six assists. I think he definitely played his best game in a Tar Heel uniform. Unfortunately, though, he was zero for five from three point. You mentioned the three point shooting, and Clemson was twelve of thirty-one overall. UNC only six of twenty-six, and the only other person from Brandon Robinson who made a three was Leaky Black. I mean, that's something that it's it's not going to improve. It is what it is, like you said. UNC is just having to grind out these possessions, and you know I'm just I'm looking here trying to see where the real hope would be aside from Cole coming back, but I think that really is as simple as as it goes. Where you know until and if Cole Anthony rejoins the team, this is kind of how it's going to be. Unfortunately,
1: it is. Look, we're going to struggle to score. You know the, the what we're used to watching. You know, Carolina score in the 80s and 90s and get up and down. We don't have that ability. We don't have the explosiveness offensively. And so we're going to try to grind out wins in the, like this one, 60s and 70s. And uh, the the difficult thing, and, and everybody was saying it, and I didn't disagree, was this was the part of the schedule we felt like we could get back on track and get a couple wins at home against teams that were mediocre by record. And we just couldn't find a way. And uh, so I think, uh, as you said, if, when, and hopefully Cole does come back, that just it changes everything. We still, even with him, are a lower-talented team. But it just gives us somebody so dynamic. that. And we talked about it before on the podcast. When Cole plays, he has 10 eyes of the defense on him. So those shots for B-Rob were that much more open. Uh, the ability to post entry by Cole is a lot easier because he's a threat. So that means Mondo and Garrison are a little more free to catch the ball on the post and make a move. He is actually very good defensively. So we should get more stops and he also pushes the pace himself. He's a one man break. So all those things are critical. I still think we will struggle to beat teams in this conference, even with him, but at least you have another guy they can put the ball in the basket. So look, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard for us to win, and we just got to take our lumps. One thing's for sure, and I said this before, nobody feels bad for North Carolina. Nobody feels bad for a coach that has almost 800 and or 900 wins. Nobody feels bad for kids that have been recruited to Carolina and got to live that life uh, while they've been there. And nobody cares that our great class is coming next year. Nobody feels bad for us, so we shouldn't feel bad for ourselves got to dig it out of the dirt got to keep working and if you get another opportunity at the end of the game where you should win you got to close because we're just not talented enough to take our foot off the gas at any moment and we did it for two minutes cost us the game
0: yeah this is is going to be a huge what ifs a season as well because looking around the rest of the acc i mean they're just not really any truly teams duke is right now looks like the the class of the ACC unfortunately for UNC fans but I mean Virginia just went down to Clemson earlier on in the day doing NC State was off to a hot start they lost to Virginia Tech it's just a lot of parody in the ACC this year and if the Tar Heels had Cole Anthony I think that they're actually in a pretty decent position rather than looking to have work to do to get to the NIT I mean you know, it's just one of those historical what ifs. And unfortunately, the reality is here we stand with UNC being at eight and eight, one and four in the ACC.
1: Yeah. And I'm just, I'm on the message boards. I guess Coach Williams just said during his press conference that uh, that he forgot to tell the guys to foul when we were up three.
0: Well, so, here's the thing, though. Do they really need to be told to foul in that situation, Dewey? I mean, well, I, I, my what argument, do you think?
1: My argument would be yes, because typically, as the way I – I haven't been in huddles in a long time, but I have friends that coach, and we've talked about this. And typically, as I understand it, it's a it's a time and score decision. So how much time is left when you're up three? And a lot of what I've understood is, you know, pick your number, six, five seconds or less – You foul as soon as the ball is inbounded because the the thinking is by the time they stop the clock, there's maybe two or three seconds left. And now they're going to the line and the probability of them making the first, missing the second, getting the rebound to tie the game is very low. Uh, But when you have double digits uh, in terms of time on the clock, I have heard it taught that you just play it straight and try to switch every screen and just don't let them get a three off. The obvious question then is, okay, well, if there's 12, 15 seconds left like we had and they bring the ball up and then it gets to that four or five, six second period, then can't you foul? Well, sure. That makes sense. Obviously, you become more concerned that you might foul three point shooter in that instance if a guy is catching the ball near the line. So I don't know what I don't know what he told him. You know what it would have had to be is, okay, guys, we're up one. B-Rob's going to make both. And when they bring the ball across half court, there should probably be about eight seconds left and we're going to foul and put them on the line. And so for whatever reason, maybe the assumption wasn't, he was making both or they didn't consider it. But um, if in fact he wanted them to foul and didn't tell them, you're seeing what he said that that he made the mistake. Uh, so, like I said, I, I've, you know, and just to be very straight, Wes Miller head coach at UNC Greensboro, Bobby Fraser, who's a high school coach, We've talked about it with those guys. Right. And, and that's the, that's kind of the theory they take to it is what I explained. So I uh, hate that coach feels like it was his fault. Um, it, it usually you, you feel like it's everyone, you know, you lose as a program, you win as a program, but uh, sounds like he wished he told him to foul.
0: Yeah, there were some pretty strong quotes from Roy Williams out of the press conference. It looks like Ross Martin is all over that. Uh, Inside Carolina will, of course, have the full coverage. Dewey, let's take one last commercial break. And when we come back, I only have one more aspect of this real season to go over with you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. And we are back with the Inside Caroline podcast. John Siegley here with Dewey Burke. And Dewey, the one thing that I did want to close this podcast out is giving a shout-out to the home crowd and the fans because the atmosphere in the Dean Dome today was excellent. They were loud throughout. They were on their feet. They were really giving the players everything that they could. I hope, though, that the fans do not abandon the team because if there's one thing that will only compound – how they are, are feeling down right now, un, un, you know, that's undeniable. I mean, they've got to feel bad after this loss. But if the fans abandon them, it's just going to be that much worse. Speak to it or speak to the fans about their support, how they can just, you know, still be there for these guys throughout what is going to be a difficult season.
1: Well, that you know, this is this something that would get me pretty fired up if that was the case, that our, our fans just jump ship when we have a t- one tough season, you know, out of 17, or I guess a second tough season as far as Coach Williams is concerned in 17 years. So I, I'm not going to say what I'd like to say, you know, but that, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be embarrassing. And uh, I, I expect better. I think we all expect better from our fans hanging there with them. No one cares more about our school and our program and our kids and Coach Williams. I mean, just, I didn't watch the, the press conference, I will, but listening or, excuse me, reading uh, what this sounds like it was and knowing what he's like when we lose. Uh, And I was never on a team that, that was eight and eight or struggled like this or lost this many in a row, knowing what he was like in the locker room after games that we lost when I was playing or the games that ended our seasons uh, the amount of emotion he feels when he feels like he let us down—it's uh, a—it's a—it's a crushing thing. It's a heartbreaking thing. So um, I can only imagine what it's like in there, in the Smith center, in the locker room for coach, for the staff. It's—it's uh, it's tough. But you know what's great about it is—you know, for me, for guys who played before me, uh, I have a pain in my heart right now. Uh, and that's because we care. It's because it's special. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know that at other programs, guys like me who haven't played in 13, 14 years, ache in their heart when their team loses. You know, I don't know any of these kids. Uh, I obviously know the staff, but I still ache when we lose, especially like that. So that's part of what makes us special, Part of about part of what makes us great. Uh, So hang in there with us, hang in there with coach, and uh, he'll just try to get better and help the kids get better. And they just need a win. That's all. Uh, Winning heals all.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think that you put it very well there, Dewey. we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, man. Thanks a lot for talking to me. And uh, we'll hopefully speak again later on in the season after a UNC victory.
1: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase? CBS Friday.